Hello, hello. This is Reality of Reality. I'm Aliza Rosen, a longtime TV producer and development executive. Every week on the podcast, I talk to interesting people in all aspects of unscripted content. Okay, so before I introduce the guest, I want to ask you guys a quick favor. I promise it will only take a minute. If you can please go to iTunes, give me a five-star rating, a short, short review, glowing, of course, would be preferable. I would really appreciate it. Today on the podcast, Pam Healy. Pam is a powerhouse in the unscripted industry. She runs a company called Shed Media, which all you Housewife fans know best for our favorite franchise, Real Housewives of New York City. We get into all the good stuff on that. But Pam and Shed have a lot of other shows. They've got Who Do You Think You Are and Long Lost Family for TLC. She's done 11 seasons of VH1's hit show Basketball Wives. And there's a new show they're doing coming out this spring on Bravo, which sounds amazing. It's with Housewives in Mexico City. Pam and I have a great chat about her career, how she ended up going from growing up in New York City to Denver and then eventually to L.A. I think she's a real inspiration to producers and women everywhere. I'm so happy that you're here. Well, I'm actually that I'm here. (laughs) I'm happy you're here, too. Um, So this is the first time that we've actually met in person. Um, We talked on the phone. We, I guess, technically met on Facebook. I always know, <laughs> I known your name and I was, we were in our little secret women's, women of the industry Facebook group. Mm-hmm. And I was reaching out about something that I needed and you weighed in. I'm like, Pam, come on the podcast. Mm-hmm. So, which is, you know, sometimes just the way it goes. Yeah. This is actually my first podcast. Oh, well, this so, is Mazel Tov. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. We have to have a party. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it shouldn't be difficult. We're just talking. Okay, good. Okay, good. you have water, you're good. good. Oh, you got your water. Good. Okay, perfect. Okay, so first of all, we're in your beautiful office in Burbank. Is that where we are? Yes. <laughs> like, where am the I? First time beautiful in Burbank, even in the same sentence. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it That's is funny. quite beautiful. Yeah, no, it is. It is. And we're looking over the uh, Warner Brothers lot, which actually Warner Brothers owns you. So mm-hmm. is this part, are we in a Warner Brothers building? No, this um, Shed's actually been here in this building for... I think 12 or 13 years, way before they bought us in 2010. Um, we all joke that they decided to buy an unscripted production company through rock and the first company they hit was us. And so they bought us. Um, and uh, so, yeah, we've, we've, it's convenient that we're so close. We work pretty autonomously, but, you know, it's nice when we need to go to the lot so close by that we can just kind of walk by. Walk yeah, there. super close. And where do you, do you live nearby? Is it a long I live in Santa Monica, actually. Oh my God, that sounds like a horrible commute. You know what? It's not, not nearly as bad as probably if you work in, Santa Monica and, and live elsewhere. So I think right, the so your reverse. Santa Monica has gotten pretty tough. But oh uh, yeah, I've lived there for many years and then I moved to Los Feliz the last five years after I uh, commuted here for a little while. Yeah. And then uh, my daughter's getting a little older and, and so many of our friends are on the West Side, we decided to move back. So we just moved back this fall to Santa oh, Monica. Oh, wow. That's a big deal. And it's been great. It's sort of like a return. It's sort of, you know, it's just been, I love the West Side. So it's worth the, we live a little further north in Santa Monica. So it's not, not so hard of a drive. Okay, so you've got plenty of podcast listening time. I do. See, that's the thing. That's why this is exciting to flip the tables to from listener to uh, to guest. Yes. Now you have to hear. Now you have to hear yourself, which is always interesting, right? Yes. So where should we start? Should we start at the beginning? Or should we start with Bethany? <laughs> Bethany is the beginning, isn't it? Bethany is the beginning. Yes. Let's start with Bethany and the housewives, and then we'll work our way back to Pam's okay, story. But sure. really, I can't interview you. I mean, I told you before. I told you on the phone. I told you before we started. I I am. That's probably my number. In fact, somebody did. Asked me recently to name my top three shows scripted uns- unscripted of all time and Housewives. Wow, and um, Real Housewives in New York was in the maybe top five. 
But I, well, we just went down from top three to top well, five. Well, no, I'm trying Ouch. to remember because I'm like, well, there's Shark Tank, which is like neck and neck with. I mean, they're both obviously completely what was in your different. Top, I mean, I, now I need Breaking to know. Bad. Um, oh, I thought we were just talking. On no, that was the thing. All, it was. I'm talking like that. Oh, it didn't all, even make my. Yeah, it made wow. the all time list. Yeah, That's really impressive. Yeah, so I mean, from the beginning, day one, moms in Manhattan or whatever. <laughs> Manhattan it was, moms, yes, Manhattan right. moms was, was really be in Mission Impossible. That was the original original. Oh, really? That was the inspiration. It was a two-hour classic British series, uh, two-hour series, two one-hour episodes that they brought to the. It was about the admissions process in uh, London to private schools, and so they spun it into Manhattan moms with a Manhattan-based version. Ah. And, thus, and thus became. Did you ever see that documentary about parents trying to get their kids into kindergarten in New York? I don't know if I did. I, I mean, don't remember the we name of it. About, you know, we both grew up in New York. <laughs> right. So well, you uh, know. I lived it. Right, yeah, you my lived mom, it. My mom took photos of me. I'm afraid didn't really click into later how kooky it was. Me holding the letter of acceptance into my private school. You know, when I was like four years old, oh these black and white photos are beautiful. You know, me holding it and then having a phone up to my ear. Stop. As if I'm calling people, telling them I got into this private school. She had gone there, though, in her defense. And her oh sister had gone God. there. It was but that's pretty creative thing. for back then, back right? Then. I feel like that's <laughs> so par for the course now. But back then, like, I, I never had any cool photos like that. I know. But I, but I mean, it just goes to how hard it is to get into those private schools. Insane. Which, having just gone through preschool admissions, I can attest it's... Pretty kooky here in LA too. Pretty kooky. Yeah. So you actually were not at Shed from the beginning though, or you were? No, no. I got here uh, in January 2013, so just okay. about six years ago. So it had already been in season three, or I don't even no, know. No, it was. Um, I came in uh, at the begin, right before season six. Okay. And had so you been it was watching a pretty it? Pretty tough, tricky time on that show. I don't. Show. Is that when like it was almost canceled because yes, the, Heather actually. And, right. <laughs> well, no, I mean Lara. I can come out and say today that I think I've said it on other podcasts that that Bravo did tell me at the time that it was on the bubble and they were trying a quote unquote stunt to try to revive it, and we all know now the stunt was Bethany. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, we did. Bethany came back. I want to say in seven. So six was still. You know, five. I mean, each season has its own journey. But yeah, I mean, I think that I came in, Bethany been off for season two. And to answer your question, absolutely. I watched Housewives because I'm from <laughs> New York. It was the only Housewives that right. really um, excited was, you. Yeah, <laughs> I did because of, it was a, I, I haven't lived in New York since I finished high school at 18. Um, but it just always felt like home. And it's been fun to see the show evolve over the years and to be able to be part of it when they approached me about coming here to Shed was, was surreal. Um, but yeah. Um, so yeah, so we came. I came in uh, at that time. Jen O'Connell had just left. She'd been overseeing this show for all those prior years, and an incredible job. Yeah, we. And, I um, interviewed. She was one when I first, and mm -hmm. we talked about the whole genesis of it at the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a what a story, especially for her when she first started. Right, the craziness happened. Yeah, Bethany on board was one of the best things that has ever happened to the show, of course. And um, and then so Lisa Shannon, who'd been a showrunner here for many many years in different shows, as well as worked on Housewives, um, both in the field and in post on the reunions became an executive here. And so she started overseeing it as an EP with me. And um, she and the team have done just a phenomenal job. It just gets better and better every year. Oh my God, every year I'm get, we get anxiety, how are we going to top this year? And you do. I mean, it's just those ladies. Are you going to top last year? This year? It's a great season. It's a great season. I mean, it's hard to top. The last two seasons are I mean, just, it's it, pretty stressful. It's insane. So what, what little nugget can you give us about this coming season <laughs> that's just, will tease us enough without giving away anything very important? Um, <laughs> Putting you on the spot. I know. I had to think about <laughs> what is uh, out there. Um, 
might have to come back to you on that one. Okay. I don't know if I have, you know. There's... Does Ramona yell? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's make it super different. There's trips to the Berkshires? No. Of course. Yeah. Oh, there's no trips to the Berkshires? No, no, no. I said oh, there are better. Right. Yeah. Okay, oh, I love your face. And yeah. I was like, what? You have to give Didn't us... she make it nice? I made it nice. Yes. Oh, God. Dorinda is the gift that keeps on giving. She is. I still remember where I was when I <laughs> saw Dorinda's casting tape for the first time. Tell me the story. I mean, I was, I remember I was just sitting in my living room watching my laptop and then I remember, I'll never forget it because she just, she was so Dorinda, right? I mean, she was just so, we've all seen 10,000 casting Was she tapes, just Dorinda or was she? She just talked about how like, you know, the biggest turn on for her is a black card. And I just. Wait, a what? A American Express platinum card. A oh, black, black okay, card, centurion it. card. I got it. And she's not even that much of a gold digger. There was just something about her delivery. Yeah. I thought. It's always like with a wink. This woman is phenomenal. And then you meet John and you just. <laughs> like what's going on you're here? extra intrigued. And I just had so many questions, but in all the best ways. And had, she was. She had been on like a. Like a few she episodes. Had. She had been on, I want to say it was, but it, she was, um, bit, she's real bit, friends. Bit. That's, that, that's right. so much that's of the gold so of the show right. is that we've been able to pretty much always incorporate people that are organic relationships to the cast. Yeah, and when we true. haven't we've veered a little bit, it Cindy. hasn't. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> she always comes up like on the boards, like who's your most evident. hated? Most yeah. hated <laughs> so I know, poor thing, only yeah. one season and not for one lifetime memories. I liked Kirsten. The blonde. Oh, is yeah. that her name? Kristen. New Kristen. Yeah. She was on for a couple seasons. Yeah. I liked her. I know yeah. she was, you know, not like the fan favorite, but I just, th- uh, something. She was someone. She gave us your delusional. She did. She yeah. Did. I mean, she's like, good. I mean, yeah. she's beautiful. I was like, her interviews. She I can't thought, help. She's pretty. I know. I think, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a really tough balance to survive, to be on these shows. It's, you have to have so much story, you know, that you have to bring in. We always want these like younger, you know, it's always, ideal for the show to have, you know, women who are, have children, are married (laughs) or children. And then in the end, the ones that really end up delivering for us are more of the same ilk of the ones that have been on the show for all these years. Cause it's really a story of these friends and this community and you can add other people to broaden out the community, but these communities tend to continue to be these same communities. And so, um, I don't know, I've really enjoyed, you know, it was really, uh, you know, I um, think Bravo, you know, is really vigilant about all the research. And I loved seeing that the fans appreciated we didn't add anyone new last season because we all felt, and everyone agreed that we didn't really need to. And that was nice to just not, yes. of course we search, we always search. Yeah, but year. you don't need, and also- But if when you don't have to, and yeah. this one Bravo, they're amazing partners because yeah. they know themselves, they know their yeah. audience, they know the show. They're still so involved in all the right ways. Our execs have been, I mean, they've changed over the years. We had Christian for the first five and a half seasons. And then we've had Brian um, Flynn and now Sazen. I mean, they're just phenomenal. That's so great. So it must be so hilarious is the only word I can think of for you. Because I know, I mean, I didn't grow up in New York City like you did. So to see, because people who don't know New York think that the that New York and the Upper East Side consists of like 10 people. Because <laughs> it's so, right? I mean, New York has 10 million people. And yet on this show, everybody knows everyone. There's like three mm-hmm. restaurants that they go to. It cracks One me. bar, the Regency. One bar. Isn't that funny to you? Like, did you grow up on the Upper East Side? I did. I mean, did you know six people? <laughs> you know, I went to a small school, so I kind of did. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, but that's that the thing about New York. Representative. Um, I think New York's a different place, much broader and downtown and all these different parts of town that are much, even this ilk, you know, are living on the West Side, the down, downtown, they're living in the Upper East Side. But, um, 
Yeah, it's a, it's a funny island. You know, it's certainly one of a kind. It's eight miles long and it's just a world within it. So. Yeah. And I think that that energy and people have said this before that like just the electricity of New York as a character in the show, um, you know, the seventh housewife, if you will, right. or whatever it is, uh, that does bring an extra layer. Like every franchise has its vibe. Right. Mm-hmm. So like Beverly Hills is the opulent over the top. OC is kind of more beachy. And like New York is just New York. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how to describe it. Like, how would you even describe it? Well, we really we take pride in how distinctive it is from the others. I think well, for us, what we how we've always found its voice being different is its humor. Take a lot of pride in the humor of the show uh, so and the ladies and how we're in the amazing team we have in the field and in post that bring it to life. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it is so funny and it genuinely really funny. It sets us apart, I, I, I believe. You know, of course, I'm incredibly biased on every level. Well, and I don't but. think it's just the humor, though, and although I do think that's a huge one because I can't think of anything that comes close, even when the ladies are having fun. <laughs> it's like, guys, let's have fun, as opposed to New York just breathing. They're hilarious. Mm-hmm. Sonia just puttering around her bedroom is hilarious. I think with with New York, it's not just the humor. It's also how honest they are, which is part of being a New Yorker, right? Mm-hmm. Just being blunt, being direct. For sure. I feel like that... It's their grit, right? I mean, that's what's grit. being that's about the word. New York. It's, you're resilient. You're resourceful. you got to walk through the snow, you know, sometimes. Um, and uh, I think that, <laughs> that all of those ladies... Exactly, <laughs> darling. Um, all those ladies embody that yeah. in their own different ways. Um, and no matter how whimsical, you know, they may be like a Sonia, they still are so New York through and through and that's and then I honestly uh, I think the authenticity of their relationships with one another and their history has always really proven over and over to be the thing that um that makes it makes it great yeah so uh, we'll move on because we have much to get to but I I just want to because you know these are like the burning I mean I could literally talk to you about this for four hours but we won't um one of the things that always comes up and just give the best answer you can in terms of Bethany is that Bethany's a producer on the show. Bethany's pulling the strings. Bethany decides who comes on. Bethany like essentially is producing and orchestrating every scene. How do you respond to the Like what is, what is Bethany's role as opposed to the other women on the show behind the scenes? Yeah. I mean, to be honest, Bethany's not a producer on the show. So I know people always say that like it's a fact, but <laughs> it's not. I mean, I think in this day and age, we have many shows where, Many indiv- the individuals right, are actually, EP. And this right. is a show that, because of its history, for a lot of reasons, none of those ladies are producers. Now that we all know, sometimes you you know got uh, cast that are producing themselves, <laughs> credit or not. She's obviously incredibly integral, right? She's an, one of the OGs. She's a huge star. She's what an incredible trajectory, right? There's nothing like it out there, nope. obviously. So. Um, that's the truth. I think that, you know, they all have their, they, Lisa Shannon, uh, our, my incredible partner in crime, who EPs the show, is an SVP of programming here, lives and breathes and loves this show and talks to these ladies all times, days and night, heaven help her, uh, on all weekends. <laughs> and they all have a voice. They all, you know, orchestrate in their different ways and do what they can to produce in their own way, as you do when you're a cast member in DocuSoap. And some of them are just Maybe a little better, you know, like I think people, she's really smart and really sharp and strategic in everything she does, including how she is as an unscripted television cast member. Do you uh-huh. know what I mean? I do. And I think so much so that you think, holy moly, she must have a, this, no, amazing, you know, just like how she's the only one of how many people have been on shows that have tried to launch a product and hasn't been a massively successful product that's sold for millions of dollars to large corporations. I can't think of many others. So no, she's just she's a unicorn. one of a kind in yeah. every way. Exactly. So that's just one of the many on her list of uh, 
strengths. <laughs> yeah, really. So did it upset you, shock you that she and Carol fell out? Did you see that coming? You know, I thought it was it was hard. It was hard to watch because they are real, real friends. Yeah, you know, you, it was evident on the show. Um, they were real friends, and then, but also, you know, as a woman, I think that real friends do, unfortunately, they they end. Especially sometimes female relationships, they just have this life cycle, and so it was really hard to watch in that way. But um, it was also reminding me of how true to life this show is, and. You know, uh, the show has uh, Eli Lair back a million years ago when he was at Bravo is compared it to the, all the housewife shows to high school. Right. And that's why that show worked for them. And I think that that's a very astute, like many anything Eli Lair says, astute assessment. And I, yes. I believe that that like in high school, friendships come and go relatively rapidly and sometimes very dramatically, even more so than when we all have works and kids and all these things that pull us away from one another. And they would do so in a more subdued way. You do it on an unscripted television show and it's much more elevated but I thought the roots of it, <clears throat> it didn't. It wasn't any one particular. You know, it just seemed like yeah. a confluence. I, and I, I really believe that that's that's the truth. It's just they just grew apart, and there were a few handful of things that happened, but nothing so explosive that it would be a turning point. It must be hard. Also, I remember feeling this way in news. Like if something awful would happen, I would feel awful. But then I feel like, oh, I finally have my lead story. Like it must be hard as a producer mm -hmm. of these shows because you need you need story. And that's mm -hmm. a big story. So it's like on a personal level, you're bummed for them. But on a producer level, you're psyched. And I think even Bethany knows that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I can't say I personally was psyched about their friendship falling apart <laughs> because that show has so much story. You know, we had so much story in general last season um, that it, I know what you mean. I mean, it was um, and especially the way it unraveled. It just was. Well, such and then it was like you said, extra. it was real and occurring in real time. Like it just kept. Yeah. And Carol would try to patch it up. And then they, us, you yeah. know, for a long time, she'd been this docent of the audience. Right. Where, you know, she was the normal one, you know, the one we all related to. And so the way it unraveled was so upsetting to her that she became less fun, Carol. You know, and I think so it just true. it just all that. So that was the thing. The ripple effect of it wasn't as enjoyable. Like, ooh, I got this right. great moment. You know, um, like the Tom, you know, if you're in a, like the Tom gift Tom. I kept on giving <laughs> was very value, you know, in that kind of term. But most importantly, want I do, these are people and I want them to be happy. I really do. I mean, these are human beings. I think so much I've had, fortunately, too many executives, not at Bravo, at other channels, talk about these cast members. Like they're not real people living real lives, thankfully putting their lives out there and and it's terrible to talk to an executive, like presidents of channels who've talked to me like that. And that's not okay, I have to say. So these ladies, they have to live their lives 24 seven. I also think being a reality star is different than being, you know, Brad Pitt. People really know you for you. And I'm sure it's not easy at times being Brad Pitt or what have you, but, but at least you're an actor playing a role and you can separate at least on your own terms. And these people are putting themselves out there all the time, getting paid, but, um, it's a lot and social media and the whole thing. I just, I'm just really appreciative that they're willing to be their authentic selves as much as they are. Okay. Last question about housewives. Okay. Um, so you are not, you know, you're running a company. You're not the day to day. You have people that are like you mentioned the day to day showrunners on it. How often, if you had to estimate are major issues that have to go up the flagpole to you getting raised from that show? Like how often are you having to intervene? To be totally, Lisa Shannon, like I said, she is She'll handle it. She is the star of the show. I mean, she. I mean, everyone on that show is. An, it's an absolute all-star team. But it goes. It goes to Lisa, and then certain stuff event does come to me. Like 
our, our friends on the ship or I know, mean things were you like flipping that. out. Yeah, that was really you it must was have been, upsetting. It was upsetting. I mean, I can't imagine. But, um, but yeah. I mean, luckily everyone was okay. I mean, it's incredible. But it was um, really, you know, that was a very stressful um, a handful of days. And, and I can't and even. List. But I, can't I mean, imagine. I think. But Lisa is just. She lives and breathes the show. She that knows phone the call. Show, these ladies. Oh my God, her calling. Was she the one who called you about oh, yeah, that? Yeah. And never, it was five in the morning. I mean, it was. Was early. she hysterical? Well, anytime you wake up to a text, like, <laughs> right, you know, exactly. it's like, hey, can you talk? No. And it's like sent at 5 30 or yeah. 6. Your and stomach it's six, drops. And you're like, oh, crap. Yeah. I love things... talking to Lisa Shannon, but I don't like those <laughs> Not kinds of calls. Not at 6 a.m. on a Sunday. So, uh, yeah, so that's um, but no, she she that's a lot of what I mean. She's a couple shows that she oversees, but this show all year round, you know, when it's airing, when yeah. it's when it's obviously when it's filming, when it's in post, it's an all year round series in in sense because it films for for so long and it edits for so long, and then you got the reunions. It sort of have it on a clockwork, you know. We know yeah. what time of year it is. Okay, are we doing this part of it, that part of it? So, but it's an amazing show. It's season eleven. We all can't believe it. To pinch ourselves, we're so thankful that's gone this long. We have a new, just to plug a, another yeah. Bravo. Your ne- hopefully your next uh, Bravo Love. We have a show that's launching in. Um, I think it's going to be sometime. It's going to be sometime in first quarter. They're doing a crossover with Beverly Hills. It'll be what? attached to one of the episodes called Mexican Dynasties. It's been announced. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like did I see show. a promo for it? I'm like, I may just read about it. You probably just read about it. So there's a Netflix show that's set in Mexico City okay. that has been released. That's different. Yes. That might be. I heard that's really good too. Actually. I hear it's good too. Yeah. yeah, I watched some of it. It's really good. It's all in Spanish. That show. The show's all in English. Very interesting. It is a lot of the humor of housewives of our housewives. Are they um, in Mexico? So lady, they're in, set in Mexico City. Oh, wow. But a lot of them. Some of them are Americans. Some are Mexican Americans. Um, one of our housewives, her uh, cousin, is Mauricio. So you'll see oh, her in God. Beverly Hills. Anywhere I can get on. more Mauricio. <laughs> so, so yeah. So anyway, so keep an eye on for that because that will be that we're really excited about. Oh it's launching goodness. next spring. Oh, it sounds awesome. So how did that show come to you or did you come to it? That show, um, actually Bravo came to us and really wanted to do something in, they'd heard, um, in the Mexico City space. They brought us this um, amazing partner that um, had relationships there and we set off and did a casting and we just looked to see what we could find. We wanted to find something, excuse me, multi-generational um, and ideally connecting back to someone in America. You know, this lo- this list of boxes and we're like, oh my goodness, how are we ever going to find this and then somehow you give it long enough magically we did was that and, the first um, time I mean other than like who do you think you are where you're traveling you know to different countries was this the first time you've actually done physical production in internationally you know the entire time you know we actually have a, a series on Facebook that's called Huda Boss that shoots in Dubai oh what's that so, about so it's about this amazing woman Huda Katan she's this uh, makeup line called Huda Beauty and she uh, is American born uh, uh, Iranian descent and she and her family moved to Dubai her parents did uh, maybe like eight years ago or so and she's um she and her sisters and her parents run this company and it's huge she's on the Forbes billionaire list now and uh I met her a couple of years ago she started with lashes you know in Dubai like people are wearing not, Dubai people aren't just wearing the burqa but um and then just grown from there and she is her business is exploding so anyway so we did a, a season and then uh, has been, you know, I think we're going to be, hope, we hope to be doing some more. Let's put it that way. That's so great. So she's in Dubai. She's all over the world. But yes, she you internationally s- is incredibly complicated. I'm sure. And stressful, but we have an amazing production team here. And Well, what's also cool about 
both those stories is that, you know, a few even a few years ago before Netflix got to be Netflix, you couldn't pitch or sell a show in or, that's about a, anywhere other than the United States. Well, it's funny because when we were out with this Huda show, um, it went straight to series, but, uh, you know, it's been a while, you know, so we probably pitched it two years ago, year okay. and a half ago. Um, we... We went out to all the usual suspects. Yeah, I'm curious and everyone was like, "Oh, Dubai." You yeah. know, that's what I was worried about. Like, yeah. Oh, they're American. Everyone, most people they work with them are American or English. They all have fairly, you know, there's not a lot of heavy, un, un, you know, distinct accents. But um, and so then I, I said to AWME, who represents us, I said, "What about Netflix, Amazon? Like they're starting to take pitches now, right? Because we're just turning that corner. I don't think Brandon got into Netflix yet, but um, so yeah, so we did some of those. And they were like, "Oh yeah, maybe," and. Um, you know, it ended up all sort of coming together. And then soon thereafter, Facebook became, you know, all those uh, folks have been emerging as players. And so those are the ones that were most interested in it were the, um, were the streamers because they have the international audience and Huda, her line, I mean, it's like number one in Sephora overseas, you know, especially in the Middle East. I mean, she's on the cover, it's a classic story of like someone who's so famous elsewhere, but then she walks the streets of Los Angeles and people, you know, are just, they're getting to know her much, much more in the last year. But um, there's a, the difference between, you know, which, how well shown she's there in uh, her, her country where she lives and here. Right. About, Big in Dubai. Big in Dubai. <laughs> Forget about Japan. But yeah, so, um, so, but shooting Mexico City was also, I mean, it was, uh, there's a different level of concern than shooting in Dubai. Other complexities. Dubai is incredibly complicated. Things like Skype are outlawed in Dubai. Really? Yeah. It's a, there's a lot of tricky things, but just in terms of basic communication with your production teams, et cetera. But, um, but then Mexico City, you know, there's been a lot of crime and we were incredibly concerned. And this is one of the times where being owned by Warner Brothers was incredibly helpful. You know, NBCU and Warner Brothers security divisions were able to talk to one another. And um, NBCU, as always, we have six series with, with uh, Francis and NBCU right now. They're wow. amazing partners of the 12 series. So that's half of our business was with them. And we love working with them. We have three series in Oxygen and three series with... Um, with Bravo and you know, they was a lot of back and forth after they wanted to do the show after they saw the presentation and loved it. And uh, luckily, you know, knock on wood, we were, we were all good productions wrapped now. So we're just in post, but it was, um, it's scary, you know, cause I think it's a beautiful city, but um, there's so much crime. And, uh, you know, especially for teams that are on the road for so long, you want them to be able to be able to run free about when they've got day off and, and you can't always be that, you know, flexible yeah because you're responsible for those people right while they're there and absolutely with this false sense of safety at times right um and i grew up in new york you know i grew up yeah. in new york in the rough no, days but i i <laughs> know it's a, it's a different you never feel that same sense of danger i, yeah. I never did either yeah so you guys it really strikes me looking at looking at your blackboard over there is that you have such a diverse slate you know you've got crime you've got doc series you've got i mean everything i guess um i'm just looking it over yeah i mean You've got format. I mean, you've got a you know house lifestyle. You've got crime. You've got grit. Um, what defines a, sh a, sh a shed show? <laughs> Say that ten times. Fast. I know, right? Um, you know, it's that's something. I think you were pointing that out because it's something I'm really proud of here. Um, and I think honestly, when I was approached to come to shed, almost um, let's see, what is it, six years ago now. Um, was something that struck me then about Shed. I think it's always been known for transformational formats. Super Nanny was our first show here. Uh, they sold Loved it over here. that show. It was a great show. Well, hopefully it'll come back to your television very soon. Yeah, she looks amazing. I saw her recently on um, social oh, Joe? media. Joe. Oh, um, with... Um, yeah, where did, uh, what did I see? Uh, Grossman. Um, 
Yeah. Um, I'm <laughs> Gross. Thank you. He posted a picture of her in Joe. He's yeah. so funny. He's the best. He's the best. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was like, wow, yeah. she's looking great. Oh, that's coming is. back. But is it coming back for We're working on it. We'll see. You will see. Okay. We'll see. No spoiler alerts here, but okay, um, so. uh, but we still lo- love that show. Yeah. It's still selling great around the world. And and when I, think, I have my kid, a small child, yes, I need. I mean, there I isn't... wrote down stuff, right, literally right. from her mouth to my like parenting. Oh, good. Yeah, no, for real. And then I think now, I mean, screens. There's so much reason for it to be back now in a way that there wasn't even back oh then. Oh my you know, god, right? It's like 2.0. Literally, more than ever. We really do. But yeah, so I mean, it's always you know certainly the broadcast network business. Uh, the formats, and then the docu-soaps, right? Basket Wives, Housewives, All the Wives. You know, we were known for those two pots in particular yeah. and certainly a lot of dabbling between. Always known for a lot of quality. I was really struck by the Brits who'd approached me to take this job when Nick Emerson decided to move back to England. Um, I was just really blown away, but I love the brand and the quality I was associated with. So, you know, when I came in, I wanted to continue that and then ideally branch it out more. Um, and I'm really proud of what we've accomplished in these years I've been here. Um, What's the know? stuff that you personally really love? That I love to watch at home? or you mean Yeah, that, to what, watch and to hear? make. Yeah, like the stuff that really excites you. I mean, I do love all of it. I have to say, <laughs> I know it's such a lame answer. I mean, I do really love uh, true crime. I've always loved true crime. Me too. <laughs> so getting into that space has been really fun. Uh, it's been fun to see it explode. You know, it's been fun to watch some of all, all of it. <laughs> Not some of it, all of it. Yeah. Uh, and it's been great to get inside of that. So with this great EP, Adam Casson. I know Adam. Out. Oh, do you? I know he's, yeah, he did Cold Justice. He almost, oh, right. yeah. We have mutual his brother, it's friends. Oh, sure. Yeah, that's how yeah. I met him. But oh, okay. I, I he's love, terrific. He's such a good, so we and he's him so in good. Show run. He's excellent. We yeah. show, show run our first series for Oxygen. We do a Dick Wolf called Criminal Confessions. Right. Because he did Cold Justice right with Dick Wolf, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And so we brought him for that. He sort of taught us all, you know, sort of the crime. And now we have uh, three shows under him, uh, sort of Crime Town, as we call it. And uh, they're it. all all for oxygen. They're all really fun. They're all twisty, turny, and yeah. beautiful. And, and he's just a really talented filmmaker, TV maker that we've enjoyed working together and storyteller more than anything. Oh, I'm so happy so to that's hear that. So that's been super fun. Yeah, yeah. And then really enjoyed, we did Awards of Liberty City uh, for Stars this year. It was a documentary series. We did with LeBron's folks. That's been real privilege to be part of. Can you talk about that a little bit? I, the poster's so beautiful. I don't yeah, have stars, so I haven't seen it, but it looks amazing. I'm happy to talk you out. I can direct to the stars app. Okay. Uh, no, but, um, yes, please. I can also get you. Um, <laughs> What's so an app now? Yeah, right. <laughs> it is, um, so Uncle Luke from Two Life Crew back in the day yeah. started this program 29 years ago uh, in Liberty City, Florida. Liberty City is a community within the Miami that's one of the most dangerous, but also produce, Miami County produces more NFL players than anywhere else in the country. And so really? there's this incredible confluence and a lot of it surrounds this place, the Charles Hadley Park. It's this park in this very dangerous neighborhood where they have this like, essentially this after school program. And it's tutoring, it's cheering, cheer, but it's also football as little as three years old. And it goes all the way up to, you know, uh, 13 or so. It's more weight, but essentially before high school. And their big thing is to keep kids off the streets, you know, and people come there to the park and root for the teams, a lot of parent involvement. So on the surface, we told it was a sports show. We sort of told the story of a couple different teams over the course of the season last year. But really, is a show about the community yeah. and the families. Sounds beautiful. And uh, it was, uh, you know, we had incredible people involved. Scott Evan Rosenfeld was a filmmaker that brought it to us and shot it. We also, uh, Ted Skillman was an EP and and came in during post. And um, How did LeBron get involved? Did you guys reach out to him? And actually, Evan brought it to LeBron. 
And oh. LeBron is an overall WB. So we work together a lot. We did a show for Facebook together or we were part of. And um, and so we've done some other things together. So yeah, they came to them and then they came to us for us to be the third party production company to do it together. So Jamal and Mav and, and Phil are all really great at Spring Hill and of course LeBron. But you know, yeah. the guys that he's working for, him, of course, are, are phenomenal. So uh, yeah, it's just a, it's a beautiful, you know, it's a different realm for us, a different genre. Um, it was fun to sort of go up that learning curve, but also felt like it was an important story to tell. Cool. Stars so, was amazing to work with. I have to say they were really? really incredible partners. So collaborative. So, I mean, it was, you know, they didn't know unscripted as much as some of yeah. the people we work with. And, um, just, I mean, they do fewer projects comparatively to some of the But they others. do quality. But they go deep, yeah. you know, they spend the resources uh, from the show to the promotion of it, to just the, 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 the appreciation for the creator's voice. And that storytelling um, was was just a welcome shift. You know, we've, we were working with we're working with a fair amount of the newer buyers right now. You know, Netflix, Facebook, Stars is a new buyer in the sense of unscripted. Yeah. And, new. and um, you know, it's it's just it's a it's exciting because it, I mean we know it's it's a tricky time right now, but content's still king, and it is um, it's a paradise for the storytellers. You know, and that's what I think we all. We all pride ourselves with being that here and having a lot of fun. That's an important part of being a shed. I'll be honest. You asked me like, what makes a shed show? You got to be able to have fun while making that show because yeah. otherwise, why are you doing this? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, mean, I this always is say that. A hustle, like if, but it's right. got to be a fun hustle. Right. Like we might as well be doing something serious. Yes, <laughs> we're making television, and so that's an important thing. I remember, you know, I worked at High Noon for ten years, and that was something that the partners of that company really instilled in that company, and I took with me when I opened up an office with them here. Um, in 2006 and ran that for seven years. But just like, it's gotta be fun. It's gotta be a sense of community. Um, and I think that was a lot of why Emerson and I hit it off amongst other reasons to choose me to come here was just like the, the sense of place. And a lot of people, we have four floors in this building. People have been in this building since the beginning. People have been working here since season one of Super Nanny and they love coming here. And I think that's, we are only as good as the people that work at our company and the quality of the people at every level, not just the people that maybe are in the trades or, or what have yeah, you. Yeah, no, so thank you for saying that. that. Yeah, no, I, it's really, people need to be reminded of like who actually makes the donuts, as I say. Yes, well, <laughs> and unfortunately, and I can imagine, you know, in sort of the ivory towers of some of these networks, yeah. they get less and less connected to that. But Right, like it's always nice lines, still, like when a network so exec is like, good editor, like, you know, tell your editor mm -hmm. it look really good. And you're like, oh, you're actually acknowledging that they were like 90% of what you saw. Well, that's the thing. Which is nice. Um, so you went to college at Duke. So you're, mm -hmm. you know, you're dummy, as I say. <laughs> <laughs> Met your husband. Then he went to law school in Denver. Mm -hmm. So then he brought you in. <laughs> you brought, he brought you with. And then that's where you started in TV at High Noon? Or was there some yes, other? Yes, okay. So I went right to Duke. And I actually, um, I always wanted to go to Duke from eighth grade on. I was yeah. obsessed with going yeah. to Duke. There was a girl that I was, there was a senior when you were eighth grade in my school. You paired with someone and she went to Duke. So I was like, that's it, Duke, that's it. I'm just, I don't you know, applied early. Board. I didn't apply early. My parents were um, focused on, my dad went to, he got his PhD at UCLA. And he really wanted me to go to UC actually. Wow. And so um, I applied, they were like, this is once in your life. You're going to apply everywhere. So I did. And then I, and I'm still wanting to go to Duke. So I did, but, um, but uh, it broke my dad's heart because I didn't go to UC, but uh, so anyway, funny. what can you do? So, um, but yeah, I met my husband there and I actually always wanted to be a psychologist. Really? I mean, honestly, I always, I always, I, TV was my babysitter, right? You hear this a lot, I'm sure, on your podcast. I know I've heard it, people say it, and it's, it's the truth. My parents were both working. Right. My dad was a professor. My mom worked in advertising. Um, what were your shows? 
Well, I mean, Family Ties. I was uh, big into like the sitcoms, right? The best, Growing Pains. Right. Which all had the best theme songs the ever. The best. Whatever happened to the right? theme songs. Right? Like 80s theme songs are the best <laughs> theme songs so ever. No one cares about theme songs I anymore. Know, Perfect Strangers. We were yes. just revisiting that theme song. How oh, lucky. Delicious it is. Not, oh, is it, what was the name of the crazy? Standing Tall. Yeah, yeah. Balky Bartok. Balky. Yes, of <laughs> course. But yeah. um, I uh, actually, Growing Pains was, I thought to myself, I was like, you know, because my mom was always working and I thought, I want to be a mom, but I want to be home more. So I thought, oh, Alan Thick, like the dad, I'm forgetting his <laughs> name. He's home and he's a psychologist. He was a psychiatrist. Right. Technicality. Right. But I was like, you know what? That seems great. I like listening to people and talking to people and growing up in New York, you know, psychologists, because everyone goes to psychologists because right. it's totally accepted yeah. in New York. My dad's a shrink. So, yeah. Yes, you yeah. know, <laughs> exactly. And I love that about New York. So, I love that heat that Alan Thick on Growing Pains yes. made you want to be. A mom I was psychologist. Like, That's it. Okay, I locked that is it in. So and funny. so then I I went. I was like, okay, great. I'm gonna take a psychology degree. And so that's what I did. And I yeah. Um, met my husband. He was uh, behind me in school. And so I, we met through an outward bound organization, part of Duke. And so I worked at Duke for a year on the psychology study as I'd done during Duke. Although sort of the I was so tragically uh, goal oriented, you know, lining my things up to apply to graduate school. We moved to Colorado. I thought, you know what? I should just do something besides psychology for a second. You know, I had this feeling that there was some interest or there's some, there's a whole other world out there <laughs> outside of Ellen Thick. But uh, I, uh, but at Duke, you know, so I, there's I Murphy got into, Brown and Mary Tyler Moore. <laughs> exactly. So I got into, um, I started working in marketing consulting actually, and I didn't love it. I did a couple different, worked at a couple different companies. And then um, I was oh, a couple of things happened. So I was at a party. So I, before even this happened, I, I'll never forget it. U.S. Airways, remember them? U.S. Airways sent yeah. this thing in the mail about airline miles. They're like, oh, you have 8,000 airline miles. I was young and poor. So like airline miles are super precious. <laughs> yes. But it was not enough to really do anything with. And right. It was like an airline. I, it never I is. Fly. <laughs> exactly. And so they're like, but you can use them towards these magazine subscriptions. Remember this? So I thought, oh, yes. okay. And I looked through it and one of them was Daily Variety. Okay. So mind you, I've, I don't really know much about entertainment besides consuming it. And so I thought, you know, I should subscribe to that. It took like all 8,000 miles. I thought, great. <laughs> so we started getting them. It came every day. Remember the thin yes, ones? The, yes. The oh my came God. Day, but it would come a back. week late because it took a week to get to Denver, I guess, That's from Los funny. Angeles. But um, so I got really consumed with our business. So I, meanwhile, I met someone at a party who was an intern at High Noon. They said they were an intern on a scripted company. I thought, oh, I know nothing about like that discipline. I mean, this was 2003 and um, certainly cable was booming, but I wasn't watching a ton of like cable and script, you know, I just, I don't know, I was busy just sort of doing whatever I was doing. And so <laughs> then I, uh, I called them up. I sent my resume in to see some sort of, and meanwhile, I had like a pretty legit job during the day, insurance, the whole thing. Right. I'll never forget it. Lana Smith called me back one day, this woman who was a line producer or like a post-production supervisor at the time and offered me a, a five week transcribing job on the show called Second Opinion with Dr. Oz on Discovery Channel, which was in its first season. It was about to be launching and launched that spring, I'll never forget, against this new syndicated show with this woman named Ellen DeGeneres. Oh, yeah. um, but it went head to head with it at 3 p.m. <laughs> tragically. That's funny. But um, so I went in and I'll never forget the first day I walked in. It was this magic in the air and I just felt so excited. And I asked them if I could work in the evenings or like in the night. In Denver, as we were talking about before, you know, it's a really unique place. And one of the things people are all about lifestyle, which is great, but it, you can come in at work and leave, go in at seven and leave at three and people don't really care. So I did that in my regular <laughs> job. And then I went and logged and transcribed at night for those five weeks. And I, it was really intense, but I loved it. And so towards the end, they offered me a, a PA job, post PA job, only a two month commitment because the show was already pretty deep in a post. 
and you know, ten dollars an hour, right? No insurance, no anything. Right. And I I took it against the advice of everyone I knew except for my husband. And um, and it was the best decision I ever made. You know, the rest sort of very slowly, but eventually very quickly came together. It was a magical ride. I loved working at High Noon. Um, Did you ever regret not going to become a psychologist? No. It's probably a lot of what you do running a company. It does. It's not like I don't use a lot of psychology. I think that is a little bit of that, um, certainly the road, not, you know, the sliding doors of it it all. um, But I think I, I, I found my calling, you know, I think I, I listened to my, and a lot of what we do, right, is listening to our inner voices. And so, um, my inner voice told me that there was something, you know, something else. I mean, I mean, even before that, I thought I wasn't sure I was going to move to Colorado with my then boyfriend of a year or so, a year mm-hmm. or two. And I was like, you know, if we don't move, this is going to end. And this is something magical. We were so young, but I just knew that was like probably my first really good decision. But yeah. Um, and then, and then did you start producing shows eventually? I did. So I worked on this show, you know, I worked at, I mean, those were the days where it was still it was 2003, but it was VHS tapes. There yeah. was no FTP sites. Oh, yeah. I literally drove to the airport, which is an hour, hour and a half away oh, for FedEx, the last pickup at 830 every night my little labeled VHS deal trying to so worried that if I missed the pickup, I'd lose my job, even though they're the nicest people ever, they probably wouldn't have fired me, but I was nervous. I loved it. You're conscientious. Right. So, um, yeah, I went from at the time, high noon actually had a division called rocket pictures that was run solely by Jim Berger. Um, and that was uh, mostly discovery and planet shows. So I did that. I went from show to show. We did this cool movie called wildlife wars. It was like all these reenactments, all just a bigger production value than some of the other stuff. And, um, it was a ton of fun. And then eventually I started, at the time there wasn't a development department. It was just, it was the old days, you know, I mean, my goodness. I was there sort of that turn, like right before, right around when I got there, you could still sell TV shows straight to series off some paper. Oh, the good old days. (laughs) And then soon after, you know, soon became clear. And one of the many reasons Jim's so brilliant and was an amazing mentor for me was he just could really, and just a great, he's just a great visionary and really sees the future and uh, was smart enough to sort of say, oh, you know, we should do a little bit of development. So working on different shows and working for different EPs, there were sort of staff EPs there who had been doing some developing as part of being an EP and working on the next thing. I started doing more formally being a development person. So I became like a director of development, I think was my first title. And um, yeah, we worked, we sold shows to ABC Family, to Mina Lefebvre. The show kicked out for her a hundred years ago. Uh, we did an LA office for that. So we just sort of dabbled. I knew that I wanted to get out of Denver and come to LA, but I was getting such a great experience. So I stayed in Denver for three years and was just gathering data about like ever, of how to do all this, you know? And um, so then in 2006, I moved to LA and uh, I mean, the partners, Jim Duke, Sonny and Chris at the time, I mean, were just incredible. So very Willy Wonka, like we're not going to live forever. Go make shows you want to watch. Go brand, broaden out our company, diversify. Um, at the Which time, is, we were best known for like Unwrapped. Right. And, you know, Food Network Challenge was a competition show. Um, so it was a pretty big, you know, and some home shows. And so it was a exciting leap of faith that they trusted little old me to go do that. And so I started out in my living room, you know, just me and um, trying to, sell shows and, and then, tapes and so what are the things that you are most proud of from that time that you created and sold for them you know well tough love was probably my biggest baby that I did with them for six seasons um getting that just make that was sort of my idea you know Miyoshi Hill worked with me at the time found Steve we searched for a male matchmaker she found the most incredible male matchmaker there is and it was just a it was an incredible ride and it was fun to make that show for was five it v- six years was it VH1 VH1 yeah, yeah under the Jekyll that guy from Philly He's from Philly. Yeah, yeah I remember seeing him. Yeah. He's one of a kind. Character. And then we're still friends. He's still doing great. And then um, 
Cake Boss I was a part of mm-hmm. many years. This incredible show still goes on. That um, is it still being produced. They're doing internationals for a long time. I don't okay. know. I believe those are still going. I mean, it just keeps on. I mean, what a like, did you find he rivals Buddy? Bethany. I didn't find Buddy. Uh, he actually was on our show, Food Network Challenge, oh. and then he got reached out to by TLC. It was a whole by Andy Strausser, and then he came to kudos to Art Edwards, who now runs our, uh, Buddy's company. He went to us oh, and was wow. like, "I'd rather do. I want to do it with you guys, not this other company that they want me to do it with." And then we Howard Lee, and then Eileen O'Neill. Yeah, you know, um, Jim and I really pressed them and our relationships with them to let it give us a chance and let us show them that we can do it um, as a pilot. And then they love the pilot and then it went on. It's still going today. So it was a, but it was a, but it was a leap of faith, you know, for them. So we hadn't done exactly that. You know how it is this business. People want, everything's an audition. You want them to, you know, you want people to have done exactly this. Right. And sometimes that is the right thing. And when you're thing, on the but... receiving end, it's so annoying. And then mm-hmm. when you're the one doing it, you're like, Oh, I'm doing it too. Right. You know, <laughs> exactly. you're like, I get it now. Yeah. And I hate myself, I but know. you do, you have to take a leap of faith sometimes. You do. I need to hope that you you just take the right one. So, so that was that was those are big turning points for yeah. High Noon and our company and our ability to just, you know, I knew we could do more. I knew we could do all these different things. But yeah, it was that was an important it was an important time for me. I, I came out here, I had pitched shows, I'd been a producer, but I'd never been a showrunner. And suddenly I was, you know, 29, 30, I was managing people that were much older than I was with a lot more experience than I was. And I was their boss and I was trying to build this company. I found office space, you know, sort of one brick at a time, different shows. And um, it was exciting. It was incredibly rewarding. It was incredibly challenging. What made you feel that you could do it? Like, because a lot of people look at that and say, I I could never, like, I would be terrified and I can't. Like, how did you, were you always someone very confident? Like, it was... I don't know. It's a great question. I don't know. You look, I went door to door in high school. That was my first job. (laughs) So you were always ballsy, basically. I guess. I mean, I didn't really, I think I was always pretty reserved socially, but I think I just, just thought, I, I, some of it honestly, I credit to my all girls school that I went to growing up where it was just sort of like, you know, just, you just do it. And I didn't really, I guess I didn't really stop to think, can I do this? I knew in my gut I could, and I wouldn't take no for an answer from anyone who told me that I couldn't, you know? And, I love um, that. And I think so much the partners were so fueled my um, strength to like, they were so appreciative and supportive where so they could important. be. And yeah. it just, I thought they've got this faith in me. And <laughs> I was like, wow, how do they have the faith in me? <laughs> right. Talk about leaves of faith. Yeah. But um, they saw something in me and then I just, I just pushed and pushed the sort of putting in those 10,000 hours to get the boulder up the hill, you yeah. know? And, um, and then, uh, and, it, and it, it really paid off. I, um, it was very satisfying the time I spent there and, and then I was sort of doing my thing. I was sort of keep my head down. <laughs> and then they, you know, I got contacted about this job. It was funny. I actually didn't even initially reach, respond because uh, I didn't know what it was about. Like, I didn't really want to. <laughs> yeah. So, and then Alex Demonyenko used to work here. He was oh, yeah. a friend because I knew him from VH1. At the time, he goes, he reached out to me. He says, hey, Nick, I think Nick emailed you. And I said, yeah, I don't, <laughs> I'm not I paying don't know what that's about. That. Like, he's like, hey, I want to talk to you spam. about Shed. And I said, I, he's like, I said, I don't know. I want to get in trouble. I just, yeah. and then I'm just doing my thing. I'm happy. Right. He goes, no, like he's leaving and there's all these changes. It's for his job. You should come, you should get back to him. You know, it's, I thought, oh, really? Okay, I guess I'll get back to him. And then. You know, it was um, it was pretty. I was so um, enamored by what he had built here, as I mentioned before. That um, you know, it was it was it was really felt like a perfect fit. So, for sort of felt like for me, the best way to describe that that time after I got chosen to, to take this job and Heinen was understanding of me leaving 
was sort of like the end of uh, 16 Candles. You know, she walks uh, out of the church. Yes, and sees and, Jake from behind and Jake, the car. And she's turning her yeah. shoulders like, yeah. me, really? Uh, and so that was how that felt coming here because I was uh, so excited about the opportunity. And then and it's been great. I inherited an amazing team. Um, what's the hardest part about running a company? Um, I think the hardest part is that you... You don't get to be on the front lines anymore. Yeah. And and I, I think that that is sometimes that's, you know, frees you up right, right. to deal with other crises. But that is the fun. Right. That is the gold. And it's hard. I try to watch as many cuts as I can. I don't you know, you, don't, they, you have a my lot of shows. So on it. Right. <laughs> yeah. They don't need me to, you know, I weigh in on right. where I can on the, the key things. But I think that that's, that's the challenge. I remember Jeff Old once telling me, you know, sort of the, the challenge of moving up at, at the channel, the same sort of your focus on, um, I mean, luckily I haven't gone to this phase yet, but like the, <laughs> you know, the PowerPoints and you right. know, all of that. And I, yeah. the court, he is the corporate layer. Yeah. I have less corporate, thankfully. Um, so Warner's is really great and supportive. And Mike uh, Darnell, who I work with very closely, he's very supportive and just sort of like, you guys do your thing, you know, you've got it. Um, let me know if you need me. So, but, uh, but yeah, I think that's it. I mean, otherwise it's, it's a great job, right? I get to yeah. be a leader. I get to, you know, have fun. I get to meet with lots of different networks and, and I deal with the crises and honestly, I kind of like dealing with a good crisis. Yeah. You know, you're, a good one of my fire, you're a good fire. I do. I come in like, give me my old boss used to say like, give me the coordinates, you know, Wow. I'll, I'll, I'll drop the bombs or that's whatever. That's such to a good quality. Are you a mom too? I am, yeah, a daughter. It's a very good mom quality too. Because there's so much that you just are like, stay calm, stay calm. I know. You know? I know. Yeah, it's... Um... Do you notice, do you feel, I, I personally feel like there are not enough women leading companies, especially out here. And it bums me out because there's yeah. the ones that I know, you, Jenny, Sally, you know, there's so many awesome women, but, and there's a lot of great female showrunners, but I feel like there's just a lot mm -hmm. of white dudes running companies. Yeah, that's something I struggle <laughs> with a lot, why that is, you know, I don't know. That's part of why it wasn't until I got here that I appreciated my all-girl education at another level. Um, is your daughter going to all-girl school? She's only three. Okay. So no, not at this time. <laughs> not yet. But I'm hoping someday. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I do really believe in it. Um, I don't know why. I really don't. You know, Jenny and I, who's a good friend, and we've talked about this, I... Big news about her today. Too. I know. I'm so, so excited, excited for her. I said, that's my eight-month secret I've been keeping. So yeah, so you talk to other moms or in the in, in our industry about it. Other women, yeah, other well, women sorry, like Jenny, you, yeah. I mean, or like, uh, uh, just I don't sorry, know why there's not, not more. The, <laughs> moms. Yeah, I talk to lots of people. Moms, yeah, my my yeah, head closes. I think like, that what? I don't know. I mean, it kind of goes to the discussion, which is finally a discussion more in the ether of like, why aren't women in the C-suite? Why aren't women, you know? And being a mom, I mean, being here was has been a great place to be a parent. I have to say, you know, um, and being at this level. In my where, career, right, right, where you I don't have able to take a sick day to go to a, you know, an right, event. or I have a door in my office if I need to close the door to, you know, have a whatever I need to do if I need to pump or I need to like <laughs> right. whatever, you know, yes. have a phone call. So I think that that's that helps. You know, someone asked me, an executive asked me last week, we had a shed reunion right before Thanksgiving with a bunch of different sheddies, past and present. And, and she's 30 and she was like, I don't know, you know, should I have babies now? Should I wait? And I just said, here's the, here's the pros, here's the cons. You know, I have my daughter at 38. And, you know, it's tricky because it's like there's certain pros to it, but there's content, all this yeah. interconnect with running a business for in some ways. I mean, because it's a very, what I love about our business is it's, it's a hustle, you know, and my parents, my dad used to always say like bounce or squash. That was his big thing. 
Yeah, it's like that. My mom made that for my dad when he was getting yeah. his dissertation. I'm looking at I'm looking at that bouncer squash. I love that. Yeah, and it's it sort of. But I is I that think like that is that like it was just it just was, do it kind I, of basically. Yeah, okay. <laughs> my dad was the first. Film he life. was the OG. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, and I think uh, that's just your mentality. That's always it. been your mentality. Yeah, exactly, because I do think all the studies right now that I'm a parent I read all those endless articles. <laughs> no, See, I don't read them. That's why I'm not, I'm not a good mom. <laughs> I know. No, 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 no. Right? How grit. to teach resilience? Right, resilience, grit, empathy. Right, all those are things that they say. Or that. And you're a city kid too. City kids are tough. Like they, you already have that. Exterior built into you. My sister's raising her boys in Manhattan. Oh, wow. And I see the difference even with my daughter and her little sheltered life, you know, mm-hmm. in the suburbs versus they're like, you know, scooting across the street on like 70th, you know, I'm like, oh it's my true. God, is, uh, are they allowed to do that? You know, and, know, and my daughter's true. like, you know, well, stop. <laughs> it's, it is. It's like a different layer. I mean, I was really moved. Uh, you know, how can we have more diversity at our company? Not that I, it's definitely something I've wanted to do before. I've promoted a lot of women. I'm really proud that we have a lot more women in power positions here than we used to. Um, but you know, our business is, um, is not as diverse as I wish it was. And it's something we would really like to change here at shed and everywhere we can for those, for those people, as she so aptly said, you know, sort of to reflect the world we live in. When you look yeah. at when you're on a set, you want to look around and see the same people that you see when you walk down the street. So that's and definitely a goal to me. Well, that's great. Cause bringing it full circle to how we met on the Facebook group, that's a women in reality group mm-hmm. where women are trying to put women into positions like who needs an editor, who needs a colorist, whatever it is. So it always feels great when you can do that. You know? Absolutely. I really try to do that as much yeah. as I can lean in, if you will. Right. Like, yeah. And I know? also think it's helpful. Like I always say, like, not all the time, but so much of the time, like the story will be better for it too. Mm-hmm. like whatever the piece is, so to speak, like, you know, housewives, you're going to need women on that show. Like that is a female show. And something that annoys the shit out of me is what men try to think like women, because it's like, no, you actually a woman wouldn't do that. And we're not mm-hmm. really even that different. So that's, you know, not that guys like women can't do male stories and men can't do women's stories. I don't think that at all. I just think that like, it's just like anything. Like I was in a mm-hmm. meeting this morning with two celebrities and one was black and one was white. And as the, as the white celebrity is listing off some of the people that we would have on the show, other celebrities in my mind, I'm like, okay, those are all white guys, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at the other blacks and I'm thinking, and I'm thinking if this black celebrity hadn't been in the room, would that be the same thing I was registering? Do you know what I'm saying? And so like mm-hmm. having that voice and that awareness is just like already improved it because we can't go into this with, you know, five white people. Right. right. <laughs> like that's uh, and guys, right. you know, so. I think the awareness is the first step, I'm hoping, you know, or yeah. one, of, one of the many steps that our culture needs to, and I, I appreciate it. Ellen, I loved how she was like, it's our job. You know, we made this problem and it's our job to fix it. And I love that sort of, like conviction and sort of finger pointing in a way, you know, yeah, and way. also proactivity. You know? Like yeah, don't just, you know, you know it's like, don't just tweet about it, do it. I mean, that's like right. more and, and more. How emotional that was for even for her to share and, yeah. and the other's reactions to it, how yeah. it resonated for them. So, yeah, I mean, I think that it, it's an exciting time in our business in that way. I and mean, especially, I love that some of this is just at least something we can all talk about and it's not, um, I don't know. It's not as taboo as it once was. No, it, it feels it good. Proper priority. <laughs> and especially, I mean, obviously the women's in power part is very close to home. And I think that working here in an independent company, you know, in UK, I mean, so many of my counterparts are, are women and it's surprising to me, you know, the UK is in, is a fairly traditional culture, but they have a lot more women in control than I do. I find here in the States of large conglomerates yes. in media in particular, you know, just looking media to media, it is, um, 
surprising and I mean, it gives me hope that, I mean, what is the difference? You know, it's like sort of two different countries separated by, you know, whatever that no, no, the accent, I, but I'm embarrassed to say I'm relating because I'm watching, um, I just finished bodyguard on Netflix. Have you seen oh, it? I haven't watched that yet. How but even it? in there it's scripted, but it struck me like all of the major positions and all like the departments of law enforcement were all women. And I was thinking that would never mm-hmm. be the kid. We'd have our token, even if she's the star and then we'd have everybody else filling it out. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm hopeful. Look, I have a daughter. I'm hopeful that I think about how much things have changed in the last, you know, since I was three years old, <laughs> um, just a few years ago, uh, you know, maybe this stuff will be just mass radically different in God, I hope 20 so. or 30 years. Right. I, I think it's already shifting. I do. And I, and I think that I, I, I just talking to men too. Like I just definitely feel like, I hope that it's changing. So in terms of working out rap, because it's been so long, much longer than it feels, what are your goals? Like you're already on fire here. You've got, you know, 12 series, many in subsequent seasons. You've had incredible success. It seems like you're really diversifying to incredible places and stories. Do you think like in five years I want X and 10 years I want to be Y? Like what are your own goals? Um, You don't know. It's funny. I, I, I as I was mentioning earlier, I've always been this like super goal oriented person. Bouncer squash. <laughs> That's right. And I, I really, I love, I love what we're doing. I think that, you know, at the end of the day, the goal is always to have that like just absolute ridiculous runaway mega hit, right? Something that you can just hang your hat on, I guess, for the rest of your life. Although it's not scripted, so you can't really hang your hat on the right. rest of your life. But, but send your daughter to college on. Right. I mean, I think that, I guess is it would be a, a game changer, but I love my job. I love the people I work with. I love where we're at. We're, this year is one of our most successful years in the history of the company, if not the most successful. So it's like things are pretty great. So it's hard to it's hard to push. You know what I mean? It's hard to yeah. Listen, I think in a few more amazing. years, I don't know. I think that it's such a exciting and wild time in our business that I don't. In a good way, I don't really know what right. five or ten years from now will look like, how it'll be maybe need to be shaped differently, but I'm pretty excited to find out and hopeful that I'll just get to continue telling stories and you know be proud of the work we do because that's how we feel now. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having me. This is so much fun. 